Bart, I've asked you not to whistle that annoying tune. Yo, everybody, and welcome back once again to Simpsons is Greater Than, a podcast all about the cultural impact of The Simpsons. As always, I'm your host, Warren, better known to some of you as Bart of Darkness. You might know me from my Simpsons collection over on Instagram or Twitter. Be honest, it's great, isn't it? Go ahead and say it's great if you want to. But if not... When you're done with this episode, do me a favor. I say this all the time. Come on, go check it out on either one of those places, whichever one you prefer, and let me know what you think. But as you probably have realized by now, it's not just me here this week. I am once again joined by my good friend, Brandon Withrow. Welcome back to the show, Brandon. Hey, hey. Thanks for having (laughs) me, man. Good to be here. Oh, man. Come on. I'm happy to have you here, Brandon. Uh, And we're going to talk about another episode of the show and you know i'm sure all of you saw the title everyone saw the title of this they know what it is however i want to clarify the reason i didn't do a poll for this one is in the last poll when itchy and scratchy land won it was neck and neck with who shot mr burns and i you know as someone who loves this episode and got a lot of messages from people saying oh i hope this episode wins i don't remember when it's going to come up again in a poll so i figured why not just do an episode about who shot Mr. Burns. And not only is it going to be an episode, because there is so much to talk about in this episode, it's going to be two episodes. So this week and next week, you're going to get a lot of who shot Mr. Burns dissection. Brandon, are you excited about that? Oh, I'm so excited. I mean, this episode is like pivotal. I feel like I said that a lot about the last episode, but this episode was on so many ways is like the, the peak of the Simpsons, you know, and it was also in its in its own time, like a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. Um, and, and not only that, I, you know, making notes about this episode and really sort of breaking it down. And it's been said before. I think this episode is truly special. I think this episode or both of them has to be two of the best episodes of television ever because so tight. it's so sincere and it's tight. I like that word. Like it feels well, maybe sincere is not the word, but it feels different. It feels special. Like it's more, it is not just an episode of the Simpsons, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it really just rings a bell for me. It has since I was a child, you know, it's one of those episodes that's always stood out. I'm always surprised if it's not in someone's top 10 list, you know? I I have very, very distinct memories of like waiting for part two to air. Like it was such a long, long wait between those seasons and i just i couldn't wait and i remember all of the hype they even mentioned it on my local news that it was airing that <laughs> night like it was very very like memorable for me <laughs> honestly a really brave thing to do to like do a part one and make you wait till the next season for a part two so shout out to the team for that they they knew what they were doing i think uh they knew it would get people hyped it would build you know some suspense so i really dig that um but before we get into the episode i want to remind everyone of a couple of things uh, do you like socks, Brandon? Oh man, I love socks. Are the you funner, okay? The funner, the better. Yeah, exactly. So Brandon likes socks. I love socks. And if you are familiar with Stance, they are actually selling Simpsons socks right what? now. Some really awesome socks. And if you guys want to buy those socks, 
do me a personal favor. Click the link in the bio on Bard of Darkness or in the description of this episode. Buy them through my link and your boy gets a little piece of that. So you can help me out and also dress your feet up, make them look real nice. But if you don't want socks, let's say for some reason you're one of those people that doesn't wear socks. As I said in the last episode, please wear socks. I, I promise you people don't want to be around people with no socks on. Uh, but you're if wearing you wearing sandals, don't, don't be that person. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Nice point. But if you would prefer to buy me a coffee instead, say you don't want a $20 pair of socks, but you're like, you know, I'd still like to give you a little something. You can also click on my Kofi link in the description of this episode or in the bio on Bard of Darkness, and you can buy me a coffee. So, you know, make it a podcast. It's not free. And uh, I don't make a lot of money from this. So if you want to help me out, that's two ways that you can do it. So please check that out. And also, one more thing I want to mention, in last week's Q&A episode with Botter, uh, we sort of brainstormed live on the podcast a little giveaway. And if you haven't listened to that episode yet, go listen to it. But there was a question about what would my line be on The Simpsons if I got to do a guest spot? I couldn't answer that question, but it inspired us to say, hey, all of you that listen to this show, write in and tell me what your line would be. What is something you would want to say uh, if you got a guest spot on the show? Give me some context. Give me some background. And I'm going to pick a winner and give you a kid robot blinky piece of sushi, a really cool toy. And it's not random. So, you know, bring your A game. Send me in the funniest thing you've got. And I will be picking a winner on May the 4th. So you have all month of uh, the rest of April and all of May. uh, Well, no, the rest of April to enter that contest. So you can DM it to me. You can email it to me. Those details are also in the description. So uh, Brandon, what would your line be? I'll put you on the spot. Oh, man, I have no idea. I, (laughs) I think my first thought is like, what character would I want to interact with? You know, like, I, it obviously would be amazing to interact with Homer just because you never know what Homer's going to say. Right. He it just can throw you a curveball sometimes. It's like when you first think about it, it's kind of, it sounds idiotic. But then the more you think about it, the more like sublime genius it might be. Yeah. Yeah. It's but a, then also Marge. I'd love to talk to Marge. <laughs> it's a, it's an impossible question to just like answer off the, it, here's the thing. I had time to answer the question and I still couldn't for some reason. I was just like, I don't know. You know, do I, do I tell, <laughs> do I tell Bart to eat my shorts or not to have a cat? I don't know. You know, it's just really hard. So get your stories together. Send me your line, what your guest spot would be. And you, you know, if it's funny enough, you're going to win a kid robot, uh, toy. So yeah. check it out. I'm going to enter. I'm going to think of one. I'm gonna there you go. See, Brandon's going to enter also. And I, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to stack the deck, but you guys better bring your A game. I've already gotten some really good submissions. So you guys bring it on. All right. So we're going to talk about who shot Mr. Burns part one today. Uh, and like I said, next week, we're going to talk about part two. Uh, we've already talked about how much we love this episode. So a little bit of background. Uh, both parts were written by Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein, and part one aired on May 21st, 1995. Um, crazy to think that it was that long ago, especially because of how vivid it is in my memory. Uh, this one was directed by Jeffrey Lynch, who went on to be an assistant director on all three Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. I don't know if you saw that, Brandon. Oh, I did uh, not catch that. That's a good and catch. he also worked on the Iron Giant and tons of other stuff. So that's pretty cool. Jeffrey Jeffrey went on to do some great stuff. Um, so you said you watched it when, you, when it originally aired, Brandon. Yep. Uh, who did you think it was? What was your guess? Oh, man. You know, I was, I was young. I was in fifth grade. So I really fell for uh, the It's Smithers thing. 
But also a part of me really thought that it was uh, Barney as well. Mm. Just because he was, you know, he was a drunk and he had his alcohol taken away from him. And just you never know what he's going to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's funny you say that. And I'm not sure if you noticed this in your research, but apparently Bill and Josh wanted it to be Barney because he could go to jail and they could use it as a, you know, something that could be an opportunity to change something within oh. the show. Uh, David Merkin wanted it to be Maggie so that it could be a member of the family. So ultimately it ended up not being Barney, which I, I think was the right decision, but I would be curious to see how that would have played out. Um, I like when they make, you know, big changes to characters. I think it normally leads to some interesting things. Uh, so I would have liked to have seen that. Um, what, what was some stuff that came up in your research, Brandon? Hit me with some of your notes. Oh man. Well, so you know, I thought that it was really interesting um, about the contest. I like, you know, they they had a 1-800-COLLECT contest around this episode, uh, around this pair of episodes. Um, the first one aired, and then they wanted to have this contest so people could guess, you know, who it was, and then there'd be a winner. And I vaguely remember there being a contest. Um, I remember a lot of interesting things in the news around this episode like that, and then the Vegas odds and all those kinds of things. Um, but I thought it was interesting that um, with the contest, you know, they had to pick a winner. Nobody actually guessed. And they, you know, picked a winner that guessed what we all guessed, which was that it was Smithers. <laughs> it was pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I mean, it, it's also interesting because, you know, I can't think of many things in that era of The Simpsons that had that much merchandise. I mean, there were. You know, you could buy, there were cups, there were hats, there were shirts, there were all kinds of cool things that you could get, uh, yeah. from the, from that. And even the premiere party had some really cool stuff, which is where that hat and there was like a magnifying glass and some other stuff came from. And that stuff's still, uh, kind of hard to find. I have some of it, but not all of it. So yeah, th those things are pretty sought after. Really That's cool. Pretty cool. I think one of the, uh, the most fascinating things that I discovered about this episode, I felt like I, I knew this episode, you know, it, it's like burned into my brain. It's a huge part of my childhood and a part of just Simpsons in general. It's almost like it's like the, the center point of the universe of The Simpsons and everything kind of rotates around it for me. And I thought I knew the episode. And then we started researching this and I realized like there's so much more to it. There's, I, I didn't realize that when they wrote the first episode that they, their intention was to put every piece of information in there that it would be possible to guess who it is. It's a puzzle that it can be solved. I just thought, you know, it's, it's a, like some mysteries, it's just open ended and you don't know, you know, it's, it's kind of right. like, um, sixth sense, like nobody actually knew that he was dead all along. Spoiler <laughs> alert. And also, if you haven't seen the sixth sense, what are you doing? <laughs> but, There's at least one listener that's like, Oh, come on, I'm man. So, I was going to watch that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but like, it, it was interesting that the, the, the amount of, um, effort that they put into putting all of these small details through the whole episode that it's it's like it's very apparent who it is and then i mean some of these these details are like just it's a single frame you know they really yeah. wanted to use freeze frame technology which was was kind of new at the time it was amazing right. they could pause a video <laughs> you know and and especially, I don't remember, I don't know if you remember pausing a, a VHS tape, but it was, you, you, you would, you couldn't get exactly on the moment. You would pause and then there'd be all these lines jagging back and forth. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, and I do think that's cool to think about also. And I'm sure there's some listeners, uh, that might be, you know, young enough that they never had a VCR. Who knows? Um, but it's also worth noting that this was actually Matt Groening's idea. 
Uh, the writers decided it would work great as a two part episode because they could do a contest. Uh, and like you said, this allowed them to sort of, you know, put in clues and, and use freeze frame technology. Uh, and it's also interesting to note that the ending was kept a secret from every animator other than David Silverman, even Jeffrey and Wes, who were directing these episodes, didn't actually know how it was going to end up until sort of, well, not the last minute, but very late in the process. It seems like up to the last minute almost. I mean, even in the animation process, he kind of went away and animated just the final thing on his own, being the only person that knew. It's it's pretty incredible. Um, Pretty, pretty incredible. Another thing I want to throw in here that I thought was really interesting regarding the the end end of who did it was that um, I think it was Bill Mer- Bill Oakley, but it might have been Merkin that um, wrote a bunch of other endings and tried to leak them to the news. That way <laughs> they could get ahead of you know and kind of really subvert. Uh, they were I think just playing a prank on everybody. So yeah. they tried reaching out to several news sources and being like, "Hey, I got the ending to this," you know, and leaking different endings different people and every one of the news uh outlets they reached out to shut him down and said that's not ethical <laughs> which is just <laughs> hilarious to think that the one time you're trying to like lean on that is when the the news decided to be ethical with <laughs> yeah you're, you're trying to build a little bit of hype and they're like i don't want to do why would we want to spoil this for everyone you're like oh give me a break yeah you know? yeah absolutely uh, <laughs> that that is super interesting uh i mean it's also worth noting you know we didn't really say this uh this was the first two-part episode that the show ever did it's also amazing cool. Are there yeah. any other two-part episodes? There are a few, but they are didn't do really? it for they didn't do it for a long time. So, uh, like I said, this was the first, and the next one wasn't until season twenty-eight. Wow. Uh, the Great Fatsby uh, is that episode. There's also one called Warren Priests in season thirty-one, and then you know the current season, which I will recommend this one again. I've recommended it so much on this podcast already. Uh, an episode called A Serious Flanders, uh, oh. which I believe is the, I mean, the other two are, are fine. I'm not going to, I mean, they're, they're not terrible episodes, but A Serious Flanders is so good. And I think that is, you know, since Who Shot Mr. Burns is the best utilization of a two-part episode they've done. Uh, it's a shame it took them, you know, until season 28 to do more of it. I guess maybe they they didn't have stories that felt they felt warranted that. I don't know. Maybe they didn't realize, maybe they didn't think people wanted that. I don't know, but they've been toying with it the last few years. It's a little outside of the ethos of the Simpsons, you know, like one of the big things for the Simpsons is that they kind of reset the status quo or just don't even care, you know, like right. what is canon, what isn't canon with the Simpsons is is such a fuzzy topic. And it's so rare for them to have a story reach outside of a single episode, you know. So it, it it's that was one of the things that was kind of interesting about this episode in particular was that it felt so different already, knowing that it was going to be a two parter. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I you know, I think something like that for a show like The Simpsons is not what you would expect, you know, kind of like what you're saying. It's not you're, you're not looking for a story that you have to think that hard about. You're like, oh, it's funny. Isn't Homer an idiot? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then you get this story, this murder mystery that you, you know, you got to wait till next season to solve. And I think that's why, you know, kind of like what I said up top, why it's so special, because there's there's something to that. There is something to this show that you watch to laugh. And it's still a very funny episode, as we're going to get into. But there are things that really, you know, they did make honest effort 
to put in clues and give you stuff to look for. And I think that that is really, really cool. That's why it's so special. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so in case you're listening to this episode and have some, you know, never seen this episode for some reason, uh, I don't recommend that. I don't know why you're doing that, but just in case we're going to read a rough synopsis while burying the deceased fourth grade gerbil super dude, groundskeeper Willie discovers oil under Springfield elementary school. Mr. Burns then tries to trick Skinner into selling him the drilling rights to secure an energy monopoly over Springfield. When unsuccessful, he uses his own drill operation to claim the oil for himself, eventually angering all of Springfield with his cartoonish supervillainy actions. Mr. Burns is shot, but with no clear suspect. Dum, bum, bum. <laughs> and since that explains the detail about Superdude so well, I'm going to go ahead and drop in this opening clip, mostly for Willie. Ah, is there nothing so intoxicating as the school hallway at early morn? Hmm. School normally doesn't smell so rank. Ah, wash basin fresh. That funk must be coming from one of the classrooms. Ah, poor fellow. Crushed by his own water bottle. Willie, sometime over the holiday weekend, the beloved grade four gerbil, uh, super dude, lost his life. I need you to air out the classroom and give super dude a proper burial. Yeah, you're lucky I'm getting a decent burial. My own father got thrown in the bog. What in the name of Saint Ephesiocritus? Now, Brandon, you you looked up uh, Saint Ephesiocritus. <laughs> I can't even yeah, say it's it. It's hard to say. Isn't it? I, I'm going to leave that in. You looked up Saint Ephesiocritus, and uh, you couldn't find anything. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. So it struck me like it, it was just you know it's one of those great jokes where it seems like it's pointing towards something, but then you look it up, and I think that they made up Saint Ephesiocritus. There's actually a if you Google it, there are a lot of threads on Reddit of people asking what. Who is Saint Ephesiocrates? And um, it's apparently somebody Willie made up. I also want to add, there are some amazing Willie moments in this episode. You don't oh. think about it, but there's so many great Willie moments in this episode. 100%. <laughs> Willie is great. I love Dan's reading as Willie. Uh, it's also worth noting, I didn't do much research because I saw in your notes that it didn't exist, but I did Google it just because. And people took some very high liberties with how they spelled Ephesiocritus, <laughs> which I cannot say, apparently. Yeah, but It's people, hard. <laughs> people took some real liberties. You got to think that's the joke. They just came up with a very hard to say yeah. uh, saint name. So. And, and, and also hearing it in that Scottish accent, when I first heard it, I had to like pause the episode and I didn't even realize he said saint because it all blends together. It's like, what the hell did he just say? Say... What in Sophisocrates, you know? And uh, I turned the subtitles on for the spelling and got it off of there. And I have to imagine that's that's as close to the truth as you can get. <laughs> yeah, got to be. Ephesiocritus. So hard to say. I'm going to say it one more time. Um, all right. So then Mr. Burns is having a board meeting. He needs something mailed. And we get this great sequence <laughs> of the package going all over. Uh, Homer gets it and runs it straight to Burns, which is where we first see that he doesn't remember Homer's name. A bit of a throwback to earlier seasons. That's something else worth mentioning is that the whole, you know, Burns having to check the card, not remembering Homer's name, that's a bit of a, you know, earlier season gag 
that really gets put on display in this episode. And I love that. Uh, and I love that Homer doesn't know the difference between a return address and a receiving address. And then he calls him a senseless dunderpate. <laughs> There's so many great moments like uh, through this episode of just like nonsense words. You know, I, I think that it's definitely something that Bill Oakley loves to do is throw in these like just either really old timey words or just complete nonsense that sounds like from the twenties or something like that. Oh yeah. <laughs> something that Conan O'Brien loved to do when he worked on the show as well. I know that yes. he loved writing words for Mr. Burns. So you got to think there's still some influence loves doing there. that too. Yeah. hundred percent. So while a physiocritus is a made up word, dunderpate is not. And oh. if you Google dunderpate, it is actually a variation on the word dunderhead, which means a stupid or slow witted person, a dunce. So while, while, you know, we got a fake word, we got a real word here makes me want to use it. Actually. I've never actually worked this into my vocabulary, but it's it might a really be a good one. Yeah. This is an educational podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> There's another there one later go. on. I'll go ahead and bring it up now is uh, crapulence. Oh such yeah. A, such a good word. Crapulence. Such a good word. <laughs> so Brandon, you have in your notes that the clock is at 3 PM and that is the case with almost every clock in the episode. Do you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the big things, if anybody's seen this episode, hopefully you are watching this episode. If you haven't, you're pausing us because we're about to just blow it apart, is that <laughs> there's an iconic moment at the end with a sundial where Mr. Burns points to the greatest clue, falls down on a sundial and points to the three o'clock um, or the west and south. And one of the things that they did throughout the episode was have every clock point to 3 p.m. to kind of subliminally prime everyone's mind to know the directions of the clock and all of that. Mm. Um, Interesting. So, so it's the another thing that comes up again and again through the whole episode are the initials M and S or S and W, which was kind of pointing you towards who it could be. And they discovered that so many characters have a m or an s uh, initial and they even made up a few which we'll get to in a little bit but it's very very interesting i also want to point out that the very opening the first thing you see when this episode starts is the sun which is very foreshadowing to what mr burns and his most james bond villain moment ever ends up doing later in the episode it's great <laughs> man again i want to use that as another opportunity to just say the animators i mean everyone working on this episode but i i don't even know um if if bill realizes uh how special this episode is to some simpsons fans i'd be curious of him and josh i'm sure they know there's a lot of love for it but i just i don't know i mean this thing is truly special. If I had to like take, uh, you know, I say I on this show, I've talked multiple times about what episodes would you take with you if you only got five or whatever it mm -hmm. is, or, you know, if you had to show someone the Simpsons for the first time. And I just think this is one of those episodes that I'm going to think of for any list for the rest of my life. I mean, it's just Absolutely. one of those episodes uh, or two of those episodes, I guess I, I look at them as one, Yeah, um, but th they're truly, truly special. Okay. Clearly, this episode is full of great Skinner and Chalmers stuff, you know, which is a specialty of Bill and Josh. Uh, and this next scene is no different. I'll be damned if I'm going to skip any Skinner and Chalmers clips, if, unless I have to. They're so great. My Lord, such destruction. <laughs> Superintendent Chalmers, how are you going? Why is it when I heard the word school and the word exploded, I immediately thought of the word Skinner? I, 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 I... Congratulations, gentlemen. Your custodian struck oil. You're standing on top of the richest elementary school in the state. You also found this. Oh, thank you, 
super dude. So uh, a joke in this scene that I don't hear talked about enough, and I want to know if it jumped out at you this time, Brandon, is when Chalmers sort of bursts onto the roof, Skinner nervously says, uh, Superintendent Chalmers, uh, how are you going? <laughs> I did not catch that. <laughs> <laughs> I The first time I noticed that, it, it, now it stands out to me so much, but it's such a good joke that not only, you know, Skinner is a, a weenie, he's always you know, scared of Chalmers. He's always trying to impress him, but he is so startled by him that he immediately is just like, oh, duh, yeah, how, how are you going? Um, <laughs> that sums just, it up with those two. It really it does. sums it up with those two. It is He's such always a trying to impress joke. him. And it, it's because he wants to impress him that he looks like a buffoon. He like, it's like a moth to the flame with Skinner and Chalmers. It's so great. I don't think there's any better dynamic within the show. Uh, then, Chalmers and Skinner. And I mean, obviously, like I said, that's something that Bill and Josh love to do. Bill has said many times that Chalmers is his favorite character. Uh, and you know, obviously we know why we'll get to that a little bit later, but it's just such a great scene. So if, if, if that's the first time some of you have noticed that joke, go watch it now. It's so much funnier. That's great. So then we get Burns and Smithers on the exercise bike together, even though Burns does nothing and then goes to play pinball while Smithers continues to ride (laughs) for another 20 miles, uh, all before having another awkward interaction with Homer while remembering everyone's name, but his. A non-profit organization with oil. I won't allow it. An oil well doesn't belong in the hands of Betsy Bleeding Heart and Maynard G. Muskie Vote. Sir, have you had enough exercise for this morning? No. Let's go another 20 miles. Hello, Lenny, Kyle, Guillermo. Hello, uh, uh, oh, um, um... Don't take it so hard, Homer. He's always screwing up people's names. Yeah, at the picnic, he thought my son Reynaldo was my son Rolando. Can you believe that? So I think this scene is is important for a few reasons, but also it really shows you, it sort of reminds you, you know, how sycophantic Smithers is to Burns. It reminds you like, oh, he will do anything for Burns, which, you know, makes what happens later in the episode feel even more meaningful. And so you get this scene where, even though he knows he's only exercising for himself because Burns goes to play pinball, they, he still feels like he has to do it. He just can't let Burns down. And I think that that is, you know, a dynamic between them throughout the entire show and it, it comes back. But that is another big thing in this episode that makes it stand out because you don't normally see that sort of tension between them later in the episode. And I think this is just a nice reminder of that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, Smithers being in love with Mr. Burns and also just his dedication to that guy is 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 so concrete throughout the series. And the, the this might be, at least as far as I know, um, one of the few times that he ever questions that. And it's really powerful to see that. I also like the two of them on a tandem bike. They've done that elsewhere. I don't remember exactly which episode, but they're both on a tandem bike. Mr. Burns is not pedaling. He has his feet on Smithers' back, and um, Smithers gets stung in the eye by a bumblebee, <laughs> and it starts to swell, and they fall off. It's so great. <laughs> so good. I believe that's in 22 short films about Springfield, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, you're right. You're right. Also, Bill <laughs> Oakley and, uh, and Josh Weinstein. 
Those they guys. love putting them on that bike. They just they love putting do. them on that bike. Uh, so I was going to move forward a little bit to avoid playing so many clips from the first few minutes. But like I said, uh, this there's some of these that are just too important. I mean, there's so much that happens in this in the first like five minutes of the episode. And in this next scene, we get to our guest, Tito Puente, uh, and also some more great Chalmers and Skinner stuff. Like I said, I'm not going to leave any of that out if I can help it. So I'm going to drop that clip in here. Ooh. Superintendent, we made the front page today. Uh, now, what's that say under your hand there? Hmm? Oh, it's an unrelated article. It's an unrelated article. Hmm? Within the banner headline. Yes. Now, to redirect our conversation slightly, I had a few ideas on how to spend this oil money. Well, we could give each student a full college scholarship. (laughs) 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 Oh, 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 mercy. Seriously, though, before we draw up the budget, I believe the students and faculty have a few suggestions. Hey, want a crystal bucket for my slop water? Ooh, and a brand new filthy blanket. The cafeteria staff is complaining about the mice in the kitchen. I want to hire a new staff. I'd like to start a jazz program for the music department. We've got a really great instructor lined up. Cheeto Puente. He's ready to give up the drudgery of the professional mambo circuit and settle into a nice teaching job. Man, it will be my pleasure. Lisa has told me all your students are as bright and dedicated to jazz as she is. <laughs> Let's go now, Mr. Puente. So we're talking about, we just mentioned 22 short films about Springfield. And uh, this is yet another interaction between them that is very similar to that episode. And it's very similar to Steamed Hams, yep. which is in the following season. Um, which, again, something that they are known for doing. So I think that... While Steamed Hams is the gold standard for a lot of people when it comes to Chalmers and Skinner, I think there's so much of that in this that might get overshadowed by Steamed Hams. And I think some of these are not maybe not as funny. Steamed Hams is one of the all-time funniest jokes from the show, in my opinion. But I do think that they are on par with them. So these really stand out to me here. Absolutely. It, it's um, it's almost like a teaser for Steamed Hams. You know, it's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's a man, like Skinner is a man that, stumbles a little bit and then just keeps stumbling and he tries to save himself and just digs that hole deeper and deeper and deeper and that sort of interaction between him and Chalmers is you could do it a thousand times it's so funny it's just such a great like concept and Chalmers is such like just such a good straight man for that oh yeah great (laughs) an unrelated article within the banner headline I mean that just gets me every time um and Skinner, it's weird to see him so calm around him now after his near panic attack on the roof. But yeah. Um, so one thing I will say, though, we're talking about we're talking about Skinner and how he's scared of Chalmers. But one thing that actually stands out to me in this scene that I really like is I like seeing him stand up to Burns. He sort of gets stern with him. He's like, you know, I would definitely never let a black-hearted scoundrel like you get this oil. You know, he really it's a side of him we don't normally see. And once again. We're seeing Harry Shearer interact with himself. Yeah. <laughs> All three of those characters are him, and it never feels like it. He is a tour de force so in this episode of just interacting with himself in a way that feels like multiple people, uh, which is something that a lot of actors on the show can do, but there's something really special about it when it's like a tense 
situation like this. So I love seeing Yeah, that. I think you hit the nail right on the head there. With a lot of Shear's characters, there's like a dichotomy between the two. There's a tension between the two. And for him to be able to like, he's like playing ping pong with himself. It's so great. I, I feel like half of this episode is just him in a studio by himself just reading. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, great. you know, I, I remember Carolyn Amina telling me when uh, she was on the show uh, that, you know, he does that in the room at the same time. It's not like, you know, it's not like he records with someone else and then goes yep. back and overlays it. He does that in the moment talking to himself. Yeah. Uh, so that makes it really special. That is something that is, I, I would love to see that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we all have, we've all heard, you know, Harry Shearer uh, can be a bit of a curmudgeon, uh, but what a special person within the show that's given so many amazing reads uh some of the best of the entire show harry shearer and this one puts it on full display uh so i just had to point that out but uh i just gonna throw in really quick if if anybody out there hasn't seen the inside the actor studio with the cast of the simpsons look it up it's on youtube and harry shearer does a couple of bits where he's just talking back and forth improvising as smithers and burns and it's just it's great it's also really cool to see the faces behind all these characters and see the kind of way they interact with each other and the the, the kindness of of them it's really really it's an excellent video totally you can find video a few videos of him doing voices on stuff but i would say and a lot of them, not really in the actor studio one, but in some of the ones that were from later years, he definitely seems like, oh, God, I don't want to do this. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> totally. It's uh, it's um, the the Bart Simpson, I didn't do it thing, you know? It's like, oh, could you give me a little Mr. Burns? And he's like, oh, God, okay. Uh, Mr. Burns, here we go. <laughs> but like I said, we got our guest star in that last scene, uh, Tito Puente. So I want to give a little bit of background on him for anyone that doesn't know. Uh, Tito Puente was an American musician, songwriter, band leader, and record producer. Uh, he is best known for dance-oriented mambo and Latin jazz compositions that endured over a 50-year career. He passed away at the age of 77 on June 1st, 2000. So he passed away only five years after wow. this episode, which is wild. Um, and something that I thought was really funny, Oakley and Weinstein were unfamiliar with Puente, but wrote him into the episode because Graining was a fan, uh, and they didn't realize he wasn't a singer. So they got him in assuming he would sing a song, <laughs> but later discovered that Puente was a drummer, not a singer, so that did not go the way they expected it to. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> really, really funny. Okay. So in the next scene, the family discusses the money's impact on the school, and Homer talks about how much he hates his job because Burns can't remember his name. Marge then says that he should send Burns some chocolates with a photo in them like her father did with her mother. Isn't that sweet? <laughs> this That part cracked me up because she's you know she's like, I have an idea. Why don't you send a, a box of chocolates with a photo inside? That's what my father did to my mother. And then Homer's like, that's really great, but it's not really your idea, is it? <laughs> So good. Credit where credit's due, Marge. <laughs> right. Give credit to your father. Come on. Um, and I had no idea if this was a common practice to have like a photo in chocolates. That's not something I've ever heard of outside of this instance. So I looked it up and I actually did find that some websites to this day still sell boxes of chocolates that come with photos, but they're more so like as you open them, they're in the box. They're not underneath, underneath the chocolates. But this has to come from something. I'm sure this is actually maybe something that they did back in the day. I have no idea. I, I 
I love that you looked that up. I had no idea. That's fantastic. I'm sending everybody a box of chocolates with my face in it. You know, there's got to be a market for it. I mean, clearly some some companies are still doing it. But if Brandon and Warren start Brandon and Warren Farms and we start doing <laughs> photo, we start specializing in photos under the chocolates. I think under we could corner chocolates. that market. Yeah, yeah. And the under yeah. the chocolates is great. They had to do it because it's such a great reveal in the next scene. <laughs> and also, I will point out that um, Sugarfina did Simpsons stuff last year, which was really great. They were nice enough to send me a bunch of stuff, um, which I actually wasn't able to eat because it was not vegan, but I still appreciated Aww. it nonetheless. And one thing that they should have done, and I think they should still do, Sugarfina, if you're listening to this, do, you know, we're seeing all these like theme sets come out with Simpsons stuff. Like they're, they're, you know, Kid Robot did some stuff that was, that was focused on one episode and things like that. Let's get a Sugarfina Who Shot Mr. Burns box of chocolates. Yes. With the, uh, what's the <laughs> chocolate that's over Homer's face? Oh, that would be the Sour Quince Log. Thank you. I'm glad you wrote that down. <laughs> <laughs> Which I also, I'm going to, I'm going to come back to that in a minute. So, yeah. um, Homer sends the chocolates. And in this next scene, we start seeing Smithers pull away from Burns for the first time mm-hmm. right before they eat almost all of the chocolates, aside from the one covering Homer, the Sour Quinslog. That's it. Frimble about with your widgets and doobubs. It'll all be a monument of fertility when my plan comes to fruition. Sir, uh, what I'm about to say violates every sycophantic urge in my body, but I wish you would reconsider. This isn't a rival company you're battling with. It's a school. People won't stand for it. Peace push. It would be like taking candy from a baby. See, that sounds like a larf. Let's try it right now. Uh, uh, there's some candy right here, sir. Why don't we eat this instead of stealing? Oh, very well. Mm. 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 Now, look, there's a photo in here. Mm, yes. I believe that little Maggie Simpson, the baby who found my precious teddy bear boo-boo. Oh, and there's that uh, Simpson mutt, my former guard dog. Oh, and um, that's um, Bart Simpson. He was my heir for a brief period, you know? Yes, sir. I remember. Anything left? Uh, only the sour quince log, sir. Ugh, dispose of it. And uh, send a thank you note to Marge, Bert, Lisa, and Maggie Simpson. Now, the sour quince log, and this is why I said I will, br- I will get back to it in just a second, is that I looked it up and it does not exist, apparently. Another thing that doesn't <laughs> exist. That's incredible. I remember hearing it being like, I've never heard of that. But also, there's a lot of chocolates that I remember being a kid and you'd get like the holiday chocolates and, you know, you tip, you, you always want to find the key because I never wanted the coconut one, you know, and it's, there was a bunch of them. I was like, oh, that sounds weird. I just want the chocolate and chocolate with the peanut butter and the chocolate. <laughs> so, you know, Brandon and I are, are doing this podcast and we recorded together a few times, you know, and I, I think a lot of Brandon, but Brandon basically just admitted that he doesn't like coconut and chocolate. And uh, that is a, <laughs> that is a real deal breaker for me because I, that is one of my favorite treats. Should and, I just uh, log off right here and you can yeah, just, just go ahead episode. and uh, I'll see you later, right, man. I'll finish right. the episode by myself. It's nice knowing you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I am a huge advocate of coconut and chocolate, as is Bill Oakley. Uh, so I'll have to gang up on Brandon with a few other people. I'll find a list of people that love coconut and chocolate. Botter does also. Oh, Botter man. does also. Come on, you guys man. are going to come after me. Well, you're going to have to just update your palate a little bit. It's time I think to so. it's time to grow up, Brandon. Okay, I think so. Um, with this with this chocolate thing though, I want to mention um, 
that it's uh it's one of one of those clues and it's actually what i think is the biggest clue in the whole episode of who shot mr burns they get the box of chocolates it has a photo in it the whole family's in the photo but they're covered up with chocolates they reach in and pull the first chocolate out to eat it and the first character revealed is spoiler maggie simpson yeah. And Mr. Burns remembers her name. And then they eat the next chocolate and the next chocolate. He remembers everybody except for Homer's face never gets revealed. But I, th- I feel like that one is that is the biggest clue to the whole thing. Yeah. And I will say, too, someone out there has got to make a sour quince log. Probably pretty good. I mean, I, I mean, a quince is a fruit. You could probably yeah. do. A, I mean, who knows? Maybe great. it's good. Maybe they made it up because it sounds bad. I don't know what a quince tastes like. So who knows? Um, <laughs> isn't a quince what they ate in the Garden of Eden? I'm not religious. I have no idea. I have no idea. Either, Something yeah. like that. I want to say white man can't jump taught me that. But anyway, <laughs> um, so we're talking about and we just spent a few minutes or at least a few seconds on Harry Shearer. And one of the things that I noted here that is so impressive is not just him arguing with himself. It is him having a conversation with himself with chocolate in his mouth and it being so clear which person is chewing and talking at the time that they're chewing chocolates. I would love to know if he actually was eating chocolate to make that more believable or if he's just that good. Um, But I really, that always stands out to me uh, in this scene. And you mentioned that, Burns remembers uh, a lot of the people in the photos. So we actually get three references to past episodes. Um, So realizing, recognizing Maggie as a reference to Rosebud Mm -hmm. from season five, Um, recognizing Santa's little helper uh, is from dog of death in season three. He's like, Oh my, you know, my guard dog at one point. And then he says, Oh, and Bart, he was my brief air. He was my heir for a brief period from Burns Air in season five. So we're getting references to episodes that are pretty recent within the show. The fact that they're referencing season five at the end of season six, that's a detail that I really like. And I, I might not have noticed it as heavily at the time, but that just really, that's a nice warm blanket for me. I love that sort of in joke within the show. Absolutely. And those are great episodes too. Fantastic oh, man. episodes. Rosebud, one of my all-time favorites. Just just perfect. The, the last scene in that episode is incredible kills me the robot burns in the future oh man so good playmates did make a a toy of that so did they really if anyone wants to own that you can actually get uh a a little set of that it even has smithers as the dog in that so (laughs) rough but anyway (laughs) but anyway we're not talking about rosebud so anyway was there anything else uh that you needed to mention clue wise in this in this scene brandon Oh, though, well, it's not necessarily clue. It's more foreshadowing, um, which lead the, the thing that leads to the chocolate is, um, Mr. Burns is looking through the binoculars and says, it's like taking candy from a baby. Oh, that's a lark. Like he actually wants to try it. And this is, um, foreshadows what happens, what ends up being the whole thing. And also it is kind of, you get to see Smithers really be repulsed by, um, by Mr. Burns there for a second, which is such a strange character thing, which leads into, you know, further fracturing their, their, uh, relationship. It's great. Yeah. I like seeing that tension. Um, that's, that's another thing, you know, like we said earlier, it just doesn't happen enough within the show. So it really does feel good to see them have this sort of break in their, you know, their relationship. That's really nice. And some other stuff I'll mention about that in the next one that I, that I think makes it feel extra tense. So we'll, we'll get there soon. Um, so after Skinner hosts oil appreciation day, only to realize Burns had already tapped the well, Bart gets his treehouse destroyed and his dog injured by the blast of oil 
leading the entire town to crave revenge. I'm afraid we've got no legal recourse against Mr. Burns and his slant drilling operation. The oil belongs to whoever pumped it first. What about all the expensive stuff we wanted? Can we still have it? No. In fact, to pay for the construction and operation and demolition of our new derrick, the school will have to eliminate all non-essential programs. Music. What? And maintenance. I'll kill that Mr. Burns and wound that Mr. Smithers. Oh no, that's awful, Mr. Puente. What? Oh, he owns the nuclear power plant. Yeah, I'd like to settle his hash too. Dad, how could you work for a man like Mr. Burns? Well, he's not all bad. He did send me this nice thank you card. Marge, Bart, Lisa, and Maggie. Dad, this doesn't have your name on it. Kids, would you step outside for a second? Dear Lord, that's the loudest profanity I've ever heard. These fumes aren't as fun as beer. Sure, I'm all dizzy and nauseous. Where's the inflated sense of self-esteem? Hey, if you guys are getting loaded off them fumes, I'm gonna have to charge you. Man alive, there are men alive in here. I'm detecting over 20 different toxins in the air. Uh. All right, everybody out. As long as Burns is pumping oil, this bar is closed. Damn, Burns. Let me just get one thing. Me too. Ah, now there's the inflated sense of self-esteem. I, I love how many threads there are in this episode. They It's, it's not an A story and a B story like you know, normal um, sitcoms and that sort of thing. I mean, there's like, it goes all the way to Z. They're trying to get everyone in, in town to have a specific, unique reason for wanting to shoot Mr. Burns. It's like an Agatha Christie novel or something like that. <laughs> and I, I love the the links that they go to and the way that they can tie all these things together. This episode moves at such a fast clip because they're packing all of these tiny little stories in. Uh, it's great. I also just want to mention that like Bart walking through the remains of his uh, clubhouse, uh, treehouse, and, you know, finding his dog. And he's kind of dazed and everything. It's just such a, the way that shot's directed and animated is just, it feels like um, a moment from, like, Saving Private Ryan or something like that. It does. <laughs> it does. It really does. I feel like there's got to be, um, there had there had to be some, that that was a direct reference to something that I just didn't. Yeah, I tried looking it up. I couldn't find anything, but it feels like a reference. One thing that I, I think we should mention that I, I don't feel like maybe we talked about up top is this was actually sort of inspired by Dallas. Am I am I correct in saying that? This yeah, whole episode? that's right. Um, the 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 idea, uh, as I think we mentioned, is was originally Matt Groening's idea that he wanted to do a who shot Jr. sort of episode. And those that aren't familiar, Dallas was um, an older show, and they they had a big cliffhanger where the main character had been shot and then you didn't find out to the next season who it was. And so they wanted, he wanted to do something like that. And then it was Bill Oakley and uh, Josh Weinstein that came up with the idea of it being Mr. Burns and they pitched the actual, the actual episode. Um, did you ever see Dallas? I, so this is a common theme 
uh, within this podcast and just my life. Uh, and I don't want to, I don't want to paint the picture that I don't watch a lot of movies because I do. I watch a lot of television, but I feel like anytime there's like a reference within a treehouse or there's a reference within, you know, something like this for a show like that, more times than not, I feel like it's something I haven't seen. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and um, I've never, I've never seen Dallas. I should watch it. Yeah. There's a, uh, I've never seen it either. There's a couple other references to Dallas um, more in the next episode in part two. Uh, there's also some other classic TV references throughout, uh, like The Fugitive and Twin Peaks that are all oh, yeah. in these two episodes. The Twin Peaks comes up time and time again in The Simpsons. Um, Absolutely. And I do is, love Twin Peaks. So I, I, no one can roast I've me I've never that. seen Twin Fantastic Peaks. Fantastic show. I've never seen Twin Peaks. All right. I'll watch Dallas. I guess we both got to watch Dallas. You got to watch Twin Peaks. <laughs> I guess. I guess. <laughs> yeah, but I, I wanted I wanted to mention that before we moved on. I meant to yeah. I meant to bring that up up top, so that's good. Uh, but there's so many, you know, we're seeing all these clips of people, uh, you know, pretty much pronouncing their revenge. They they crave revenge with Burns, and we get some great lines. I love Ned going, "Oh dear Lord, that's the loudest profanity I've ever heard." Um, <laughs> I, I just think that's really really funny stuff. Um, and and that's you know there's. Something to be said about the fact that Homer still doesn't realize uh, that he didn't actually thank him in the card. So we're, we're also just seeing this, you know, we're getting lots of people mad at Burns, but we're really seeing Homer sort of snap in yep. this moment, which I think really stands out now. Yeah, there's uh, this little montage that we're talking about here is really great because it really quickly clips through like six or seven different stories. And it each of those stories with these characters reaches the point for different reasons that they want to kill Mr. Burns. And every one of them pretty much says, I swear I'll kill that Mr. Burns. There's a line, another great Willie line in here where he says, I swear I'll kill that Mr. Burns and uh, wound that Mr. Smithers. Because <laughs> he, yeah, he, he likes the guy, but he's angry. Yeah, he doesn't want to kill him, but he, he's not too happy with him. So he's at least going to hurt him. You know, yeah. I do. I do love that. Uh, was there anything else you had noted that was important to mention in this scene, Brennan? Um, I don't think so. I mean, you know, there's, um, there's, I really liked that. I really, really loved Nelson and his parrot, um, at the, the, <laughs> the animal vet and all of that. Just that the parrot's like, Wah, ah, it's super it's so, good. So fantastic. Um, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead or not, but in, um, in Moe's bar, no, I, this is part of it. You know, they cut inside of Moe's bar and the, the bar is filled with all these fumes and Barney's getting loaded for free off the fumes, you know, and then the, uh, the sort of, I guess somebody from the EPA shows up in a hazmat suit. And <laughs> I love the line, man alive. There are men alive in here. It's <laughs> <laughs> so great. But there's a nice little background detail here that's a clue. Um, which is on the TV, it's playing Comedy Central, and it says, pardon my zinger, 3 p.m. So there's three again, and also pardon my zinger um, comes up as a way to, you know, um, absolve a character later on. You're right. Which is, which is a really, really great uh, sort of just subtle background thing. But then uh, I also wanted to mention right after that, the TV keeps playing Comedy Central and it cuts to Mystery Science Theater 3000. And I just love <laughs> that they referenced an actual show in the real world back on that. And as a kid, I, I don't know about you, but I was a huge Mystery Science Theater fan. I mean, just absolutely massive fan. Loved absolutely. It. Well, what, an important question of Mystery Science Theater is uh, which host did you prefer? Are you a Joel guy? <sighs> 
man. I, I got to think, I, I think I land on Joel. I mean, I like most, I think I pretty, I enjoy most mystery science theater, but I do think Joel is the one. Yeah. I like Joel too, though. I, man, his name's blanking on me, the later host. Um, but I really liked the rapport he had with the the robots, like Joel and the robots. It was more like Joel knew he was smarter than the robots and he talks right. down to them. Whereas the later host, um, it was almost like the robot. He was so he was kind of dim-witted, so the robots were almost <laughs> smarter than him. It really threw it all on its head. I liked all of it though. Mystery Science Theater is a is a classic. It's Such so a good. good show. I used to have a group of friends. Um, <laughs> I used to have friends. No, but I had a particular <laughs> group of friends that we would get together like every Friday and watch either a bad movie or just Mystery Science Theater. So I've I've got a lot of love for that show. And I also um, did that uh, a couple of years ago. We every Wednesday was Mystery Science Theater night. It was so good. Look at that, man. Look at that, Brandon. I know. Just another, Are we just friends another now? Common, I even guess so. I, even though I don't like coconut? <laughs> I'm working through the coconut thing, man. I think we can I, make you know, it through this. I think we can make it through. I, I think... I think the fact that we both like Mr. Science Theater, the fact that you, you know, sent me a little TV, I think I can get past the coconut. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, wor- I'm working on it. So one other big thing in this scene, and I want to say you noted this also, uh, is that we get a name, we get a last name for Mo for the first time. That is right. Yes. So the liquor license behind Mo says Mo Sislak, which we all know is Mo, but before this moment, they had never mentioned his last name and they had to come up with a new uh, last name for him that was M and S because they wanted him to be a suspect. All the suspects are M and S or W and S. And in the commentary, they said that they just pulled his name out of a phone book. They just needed it. They just went to the S's, dropped their finger on there and it was Mo Sislak. Well, and, and, and to sort of add to that, I will say, even when I talked to Wes Archer, um, he still refers to him as Mo the bartender. So I think even within the show, like some of those people from the early years still have a hard time remembering that he has a last name. They still just call him Mo the bartender, uh, because up until season six, he didn't have a last name. So that is a really cool detail that I had actually forgotten about. So I was really glad that you noted that. And also, what a great last name. <laughs> it, his name really flows. Most is yeah. it just it just he just sounds like such a scumbag. It's perfect it, for him. I don't know why that is. name sounds so scummy, but it just it's great. Okay. So finally Smithers has had enough and he finally has it out with Burns after learning of the next layer of his plan. Well, sir, you've certainly vanquished all your enemies, the elementary school, the local tavern, the old age home. You must be very proud. Mm. No, not while my greatest nemesis still provides our customers with free light, heat, and energy. I call this enemy the sun. Since the beginning of time, man has yearned to destroy the sun. I will do the next best thing. Block it out. Good God. Imagine it, Smithers. Electrical lights and heaters running all day long. But, sir, every plant and tree will die. Uh, Owls will deafen us with incessant hooting. Uh, The town's sundial will be useless. I I don't want any part of this project. It's unconscionably... Fiendish. I will not suffer your insubordination. There has been a shocking decline in the quality and quantity of your toadying, Whelan, and you will fall into line. Now! No. No, Monty, I won't. 
Not until you step back from the brink of insanity. I'll do no such thing. You're fired. <laughs> take that, Bolderama. Take that, Convenient Smart. Take that, Nuclear Power Play. Do fiddlesticks. So I really like the personal touch, and this is kind of what I was referring to earlier. I like the personal touch of them calling each other by their first name. Um, I I think that really does a good job of like making it feel extra suspenseful, extra tense. Um, there's just something really cool about hearing him call him Waylon and Monty, uh, just really shows that they're at their wits end with each other in this moment. I think that's really great. It reminds me a lot of like when you're a kid and your mom is found, you're like in trouble and they use your full name, their middle name and all. And you're like, oh, I'm in for it now. They've used my whole, my whole entire name. <laughs> yeah. And especially if you're like me, you like hardly ever heard your middle name. So like that, that's when you just know, you know, yeah, you're just like, man. Absolutely. <laughs> Love it. Um, and, and also, you know, this is another example of we talk about the pacing and just how tight this story is. Um, the, the pacing of the story overall is great. I mean, it feels, you know, like I said up top, it feels so much bigger than a normal episode of the Simpsons. And I think it's because you're able to get lost in these scenes, like him and Smithers Burns and Smithers arguing feels tense. Like it's really, it's not funny. Um, he is, he is like, he essentially says, you know, you, you are, you don't listen to me anymore. And if that's how it's going to be, you're fired. Get away from me. You know, um, is if you don't fall into line, get away from me. It's this really tense scene played sort of sincerely. Um, and just again, great, just, over-the-top acting from Harry on both sides. Really, really great stuff. Absolutely. It's also um, a huge credit to, like, the the nuance of, like, Bill and Josh writing this. Not only is it such an intense thing, and there, this episode has so much that they have to pack in information-wise. you got clues. You have all of these people that, like, want to kill Mr. Burns and all of these different threads. But they do manage to still squeeze amazing jokes in there, even in this scene. Like when he re- reveals that he's going to block the sun, <laughs> a line that kills me is um, is Smithers saying, owls will deafen us with incessant hooting. <laughs> just just the idea that it's always dark and just owl, there's, we just get taken over by owls. Just that line, incessant, is maybe the word in there that really makes it funny. <laughs> so good. Yeah, I, I want to know who wrote that joke specifically. Yeah, and I mean, it's such a funny concept. Like owls wouldn't be able to stop hooting if it was dark all the time. <laughs> yeah, they'd just be out of control. <laughs> So good. So good. So after a great joke about grandpa looking like a melted version of Homer, we see Homer crack under the pressure, spray painting his name on the wall of Mr. Burns office. Now you noted a few things here, Brandon, what do you got? Oh man. Well, first of all, um, I really love that Mr. Burns or not Mr. Burns, but grandpa being a melted Homer. (laughs) I think, I think as a kid seeing that, that was my, the first time I realized like, Oh one day I'm going to look like my dad and my dad's going to look like my grandfather. And we're all yeah. just, just slow. It's, it's a, it's a lot to take in for a fifth grade Brandon, but I, oh, I, yeah. I everything just, everything just sort of just slides down a little bit. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the big thing I want to talk about here is so Homer is painting on the wall in Mr. Burns's office. Mr. Burns comes in and is like, who the devil are you? Which is hilarious because 
it's he's looking at Homer and on the wall painted as large as a billboard is my name is Homer Simpson. And he says, <laughs> who the devil are you? He's still like, it's obstinate at this point. And Homer runs across the room and grabs him. Now, this this particular shot is amazing because it starts on Homer in a close up. He starts to run and the camera pulls out all the way to the ceiling, looking down at the room. As he runs across the room, it's a continuous shot, which in animation, there aren't really a lot of camera movements. You know, usually it's a static camera. Sometimes the camera will just pan to the left or right and the background will just move. And the reason for that is that it's really, really difficult to do these shots where the perspective changes. Um, and this shot in particular for, from a 2D animation standpoint is a really difficult shot to pull off. Um, I was doing some research on it and I discovered that the, um, the lead animator hand animated this entire shot. Usually they wow. do keyframes and then they send it off to film room and to do the in-betweens and all that. But he did the whole thing on his own. And it's a classic example of, um, sort of the difference between 2D and 3D animation. Some things in 3D animation are much easier than in 2D animation and vice versa. Um, wow. I, I don't think that one's easier or harder than the other. For instance, like facial animation is so much easier in 2D animation to get a nice nuance and memorable performance. And it's really hard in 3D animation. But the flip side are these perspective changes because you have all these perspective lines and sort of the geometry that's turning and changing as the camera moves. And it's a lot to track. It's really hard to do. And a computer can just, I mean, it's math. So a computer can just do it, just spit it out, which is why later on a lot of um, animated shows like Bob's Burgers and even The Simpsons moved on to doing some, some sort of computer animated background shots. But that they hand animated and it looks so great. It's just looks so good. It's a stel- it might be the best animated shot in the whole episode. It's so stunning from an animator standpoint. You know, I think there's something to be said about this era of the show anyway. I think around season six or seven uh, is where we really, I mean, obviously the show looked great. They had amazing people working on it, but I think that's when they really hit a stride. Like I think maybe even season five, I will say that's when they really just everything started getting tighter. And I think, you know, this episode especially, and you know, you know, they had to put a little bit of extra time, obviously with stuff like this and and the ending and the way they had to go about it, but it really shows. And I think that that it just adds to why it's such a special episode because there are so many little details that they were like, no, we're going to do it this way. I'm going to take care of it. This needs to be special. So, yeah. you know, I think they did know on some level that this would, you know, go down as one of the more interesting episodes of the show ever, at least, whether they realize it or not, it did. They definitely put some care, didn't cut any corners. Because it could have just as easily been like, you know, let's just have the camera and Homer run at the camera with Burns in the foreground. But no, they, they said, we're doing this shot. Budget be damned, but we're going to do this shot. <laughs> and he hand animated it. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's really a work of art. So there's something else. And I texted Brandon about this last night. It's something that I never caught. Um, probably a detail that, it's probably a detail that some people know, but it never stood out to me. And I somehow had never caught this. Um, I took this directly from like the Wikipedia. It says, and the animators knew this. So this is on purpose. Just before entering Mr. Burns office to spray paint his name, Homer passes in front of the words only in on the pavement upside down from the viewer's perspective and very briefly blocks all of the letters except no. And a small arrow from the broken wood pointing at him. So this was actually a clue to be like, oh, if you think it's Homer, it's not. Now, again, no one is going to catch that really. 
but I love, or maybe some people did, but I love that they took the time to, to purposely do something like that for those people that are obsessive enough to record it and pause it and do this whole thing. And you know, that is, that's just another layer of love from the animators. So I love that. Absolutely. Fantastic detail. So crazy. Everyone go find, go watch the episode, pause it. Right when Homer shuts the trunk, uh, before he goes inside to spray paint, you will see what I'm talking about. It's there. I sent a photo to Brandon. It's there. It's kind of, it's amazing. Kind of blows my mind. They took the time to do that. All right. So, then we fast forward a bit to Mayor Quinby. I love that my my iPhone re it it corrected Quinby to Quincy. Quincy. Uh, <laughs> so we fast forward a bit to Mayor Quinby addressing the town and learning of everyone's frustration with Mr. Burns' plan. People, take it easy. We're all upset about Mr. Burns' plan to uh, block out our son. It is time for decisive action. I have here a polite but firm letter to Mr. Burns' underlings, who, with some cajoling, will pass it along to him, or at least give him the gist of it. Sir, a lot of people are stroking their guns. Also, it has been brought to my attention that a number of you are stroking guns. Therefore, I will step aside and open up the floor. Mr. Burns was the closest thing I ever had to a friend. <laughs> but he fired me, and now I spend my days drinking cheap scotch and watching Comedy Central. Oh, dear God. Uh, not that bad. I mean, I never miss. Pardon my zinger. Burns cost me my groundskeeper job at the school, and I'm too superstitious to take the one at the cemetery. Uh, cause of him, I lost my room, my things, and my buddy's collection of old sunbathing magazines. You bastard. I lost my bar. I lost his bar. He robbed the school of music. He robbed the school of financial security. He robbed the school of Tito. He can't remember my name. He's causing us all to yell. Look what he did to my best friend. <gasps> what? No, my dog. <laughs> oh, those wheels are squeaking a bit. Perhaps I could sell him a little oil. You twisted old monster! <laughs> I've decided to protect myself ever since I was attacked in my office by an unidentified assailant. Arr, Burns, your scurvy schemes will earn ye a one-way passage to the boneyard. Uh, I'd like to hear from Sideshow Mel. I'll see to it that Mr. Burns suffers the infernal machinations of hell's grim tyrant. Yeah. Oh, you all talk big. But who here has the guts to stop me? Scene is so good. Uh, so one of the things that I love so much about this is, and it's a minor detail, but it's it's when he doesn't, when he says unarmed, or he says unidentified assailant, and you just hear Homer way off in the distance yell, no! <laughs> <laughs> And this is an example throughout the episode, I would say this, but the score of this episode is very looming and sort of like, you know, really sets the tone well. And this scene is a prime example of that. Lots of cool sort of eerie music, very villainous uh, sounds coming through. Really great. What did you note in this episode, Brandon? Oh, it's so or this it, scene, I should say. Well, to, for the score, I had this noted later, but we, it's good to talk about it now since we're on it. Um, I'll, for apparently the score is based off of the score for the film JFK which mm. is a Oliver Stone movie, a very, very long Oliver Stone movie um, that goes over, you know, the shooting of JFK and all of the stuff that happened after that. And it has a very tense 
score that it, it, you know it's very whodunit sort of thing um but it's funny uh in the commentary um i think that it was bill oakley noted that a lot of people think that the score is based off of terminator 2 because it has that <laughs> sort of like yeah sound yeah. to it but it's actually based off of jfk um which Crazy. is which is a great movie but it will take an entire saturday for you to watch it so yeah I, I, once again something i've never watched so that's just just classic me i'm I, eventually i'm going to make people mad uh because <laughs> people will be like oh and this is a reference to so and so i'm like oh cool never seen that you know i like there's a lot of um people like you can't believe you've never seen that and it's i i don't buy into that you know if you haven't seen <laughs> something you just have we only get to lick so many lampposts in our life so that's well said brandon there's a lot of stuff out there everybody i guarantee yeah. i've seen some stuff that some of you haven't seen absolutely give me give me a break uh so another line from this episode that i want to note uh and and it's it's funny to note a lunch lady doris line but one of my favorite (laughs) things is her going eternal darkness well that's just great (laughs) just to just to add one more thing to her rotten life is eternal (laughs) darkness there's a lot of great lines in this uh this town hall scene i love Anytime the Simpsons do a town hall, because it's an opportunity to bring up all these like smaller characters and give everybody like a chance to just say something kind of random. Um, but one line, I, there's two lines that I noted that I really love. One is, um, everyone's talking about, they're basically yelling about what Mr. Burns has done to them. And Grandpa says, I lost my buddy's collection of old sunbathing magazines. <laughs> and then it cuts to, I don't know the, the, the character's name, but it cuts to the other old guy and he goes, you bastard. <laughs> I believe that's just old Jewish man. Old Jewish man. Yeah. Yeah. And then I don't I, think they ever, maybe they've given him a name and I've somehow missed it, but I, that's what he was referred to for a long time. And then, um, I also love Marge just standing up and screaming, he's causing us all to yell. Because <laughs> Marge is the peacekeeper. She's always trying yeah. to put it on an even kill. It's great. And everyone knows her in these town hall situations. They're like, oh God, here we go. But I mean, again, it's worth noting. We're talking about the direction. I love how it cuts around to different people stroking guns. Like there's a lot of cool like cuts there. I like that when he leans over to talk to Mayor Quimby, you can hear what he says, especially yeah, in headphones. A lot, of, a lot of people are stroking guns. <laughs> yeah, it's just really, really well done, this whole scene. Yeah. Um, and I also, so this is something that you noted that I wasn't really going to spend much time on, but I do think we need to talk about it. And that is sort of the conspiracy theory yes. that people have about this episode. So why don't you, why don't you go into that a little bit? Absolutely. So the, the scene itself, I mean, there's, we could spend all day talking about the clues that are in this scene. Um, it, basically, there's a clue that will uh, sort of absolve every suspect in the, that is a current suspect in this scene. There's a tiny detail with each one of them. Um, and it, this, this is the last scene before Mr. Burns gets shot. So it's their right. last chance to shove any clue in there. And one of the, one of the, the sort of jokes that's also a clue that also leads to a conspiracy theory is at the very end of the scene, they're all leaving the town hall. And right before they leave, Krusty the clown pulls up in a, in a car, jumps out. He's wearing a Hawaiian shirt. He's holding two suitcases. Clearly, he's just been gone for the whole episode. So there's his alibi. And he's like, hey, hey, what's going on? And, you know, it's just a funny joke. Well, apparently, <laughs> at some point, um, people, somebody got the idea that Homer was dressed up as 
crusty in this scene and that it actually was either crusty the clown or the other way around and they said that you know he was drawn a little bit differently which is kind of a reference to homie the clown and all of that and um, it was a huge conspiracy online that bill oakley has gone on record stating that it was not that was not the case you know um it's not a conspiracy theory but it's really interesting. It is really interesting. And I've actually been asked about this a lot. And people be like, hey, what do you think about this? I, I believe them. I believe that it was just an animating mistake. I do yeah. think it's a cool thread to unravel. It's a cool idea. Um, but again, you know, it's it, it's easy when you've already drawn Homer as Krusty to, to sort of get that mixed up in your mind when you're drawing him sometimes. Because it's we're talking about just the nose. That's Absolutely. the only detail that's different. So, I mean, I think that's easy to do. Um it's a cool thing, but I, you know, I, why would I not believe Bill? I've seen people be like, well, Bill said it's not real, but I think it is real. It's like, well, who, who do you think made that decision? Then? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like the writer, no, yeah, he's, I, the writer's wrong about what he, no, nah, they're lying to you. It actually is Homer. <laughs> yeah. That's really funny, but yeah. it is cool. And I, I do think it's worth bringing up and talking about because that would be a really interesting layer to this already complex story. If that were, even feasible. But again, I think it's just a mistake with the nose, but still cool. You can, you can look at the, you know, screenshots out there, everybody, and sort of, you know, come up with your own stance on it. Um, I think if you land on anything other than it's a mistake in animation, then you're just reaching. But again, <laughs> come come up with your own uh, conclusion there. You know what I bet happened was that the uh, director of animation was so busy animating that beautiful mm. turnaround shot that he missed going over one of his dailies and that the nose was different. He just, he was too busy. He also, you know, had to go and animate the the actual the final moment in the next episode. He had a lot on his mind and it just it just slipped by. I think Brandon is 100% correct and I think that that is exactly that has to be the actual answer. It has to be the actual reason. That's that's great. All right, so no not a not a conspiracy-minded podcast here everybody. <laughs> um so then we get to the climax of the episode. Burns walks around very proud of himself before being shot staggering to the center of town and collapsing on the sundial. After all these years, things are finally starting to go my way. (laughs) I feel like celebrating. I... Oh, it's you. What are you so happy about? (gasps) I see. Well, I think you'd better drop it. I said drop it. Get your hands off. Where is everybody? Hey, man, are you okay? Won't dignify that with response. All right, Brandon, so there is a lot to note about this scene. Uh, I'll walk through some and you just butt in whenever you want if you have more to add. So, So when Burns is dancing, you notice a gun in his holster inside his jacket. Yes. Carl points out that Smithers left his jacket behind. Otto points out that Skinner left his mother behind. (laughs) That's odd. (laughs) That's odd. We see Marge put Maggie in the car and notices that she doesn't know where the rest of her family is, so she walks away. We see that Grandpa's gun has been dug up from the backyard. We get a shot of that. Attention is drawn to Marge not knowing where anyone is right before he is shot. So... Any idea that anyone would have about it being Maggie, I think they sort of took that step to be like, no, Marge is right here. She wouldn't be away from Maggie, even though we see her 
put Maggie in the car. Uh, and then when Burns collapses, his gun is missing from his holster, which is a clue that he was shot with his own gun, which Which doesn't exactly tell you it's Maggie, but still an interesting detail. I I missed, um, in all the years that I watched, I missed that when he fell onto the thing, his gun was missing from the holster. I, you know, knew it because I knew what happened later on. And so it just kind of clicked my mind, but I never actually took the time to notice that it's such a, I tried while I was watching this episode to actually pause on that moment. And it's really hard. It's, it happened so quick. It's really hard to pause in that moment. It's great. It it is. It is. And, and like, you know, I think we're talking about clues throughout this episode and how many cool things there are uh, to touch on. But the thing about this part is one thing that never stood out to me until this viewing, which, and I mean this, I've watched this episode a hundred times, if not more, it never really occurred to me that Marge puts Maggie in the car and walks away. That just never really jumped out at me. me. Same for me. I remember actually, I was like, when I was watching it this time, I had that critical eye where I was trying to like figure out all the moving parts. And then I was like, wait a minute, Marge is with Maggie right here. How does this whole thing unfold? And I was like, oh, she walks away from the car. It just, it, it happens in such a subtle way that you don't even notice it. It's almost like the writers were trying to make it as subtle as possible. So as to not point a finger at Maggie. They really worked hard to to subvert everyone's opinion on this thing. It's great. Exactly. And I do think the Marge detail is a big one. I mean, I don't think, I think that's the main reason it wouldn't have jumped out to me or anyone is that Marge is looking for her family. And so you don't even think about the fact that she was just with Maggie. And one detail that I will say stands out to me more now than ever as a real misdirect. And we didn't spend much time on this earlier. In fact, I I, I sort of skipped over it just to avoid playing every second of the episode in clips is when grandpa gives Bart a gun and Marge goes to bury the gun in the backyard. So I think because that is so noted in the episode, and then we see this shot of it clearly being dug up and the box flapping open, the gun is gone. If anything, I'm pretty sure when I was a kid, I believed it was grandpa because of that. I was like, Oh, obviously it's grandpa. He like dug up his gun. And that that shot of the box, the the cigar box in the front yard and it's like swinging in the wind empty. It's such a, like it's, I can, I can close my eyes and see it. It's so, um, it's just so memorable. And I think they did a really great job of like that being a red herring to just completely throw you off your, your tracks, you know? I think if I was going to get an animation cell of anything without the family in it or a character in it, that would be pretty high on my list. I would love to have a framed uh, photo of that. And I think, you know, this is interesting because in the last episode, the Q&A, I was asked, you know, what is your dream animation cell? What would you want? That's and I ultimately question. I ultimately said, you know, oh, probably something from Marge Be Not Proud because it's my favorite episode. Uh, but one of the runner-ups I gave was something from who shot Mr. Burns, most notably when Homer is like shaking him in bed. But now that I've really gone through this episode and really broke it down, there's like multiple other things that I think I would like from this episode. One of them being Burns on the sundial with sort of the town standing behind him. Such an iconic image. Beautiful shot. Also Homer spray painting in Mr. Burns's office would be really high up there. And just the box flapping in the yard like we're talking about. I think that would be so cool to own because it's one of those things where it's like, if you know, you know, which is the case with a lot of cells, but especially that someone would be like, oh, what is that? You're like, oh man, it's right at the end of who shot Mr. Burns when you're, you know, unsure who shot him and you see this, you know, it's just a very obscure shot that I, I think is really great. Yeah, I think so too. It's really, really fantastic. Um, I've always said 
cell wise, my immediate answer is always um, Homer and Space Coyote. I love that. I have that tattooed on my body. I just love that. All of the imagery of that episode is so great. But I have another one that's sort of, um, it's a little subversive. I really want um, the, it's a, it's a shot from uh, Itchy and Scratchy episode where Bart wants to get a frame of animation yeah. and buy it from a comic book guy and he gets it <laughs> and it's just a single arm and I want to sell it would be a sell of a sell and I just think that would be hilarious because of the, the sort of meta meta-ness of the whole thing I'll tell you why that's so funny Brandon and I, I recommend uh, anyone that hasn't listened to the Q&A go listen to it but in that question they said obviously the pinnacle is Bart opening the oh. itchy arm cell so they, <laughs> oh my they gosh, agree with there you, you. go <laughs> I swear I hadn't listened to that yet. That's great. Dude. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. That would be a great sell to own. There's yeah. so many great sells to own. I mean, especially now, I, I think because they're going to more auction sites and less eBay, they're going for more money. So if, if anyone out there wants to sell, get them while you can. Okay. Uh, they're, they're one of the coolest things to own. Uh, spend a little time tracking down one from your favorite episode and, and definitely do it. Um, all right. So in this last clip, we hear them set up the mystery for part two. Mr. Burns has been shot. Just a minute. This isn't Mr. Burns at all. It's a mask. Wait, it is Burns. <laughs> His wrinkly skin look, looks like a mask. I don't think we'll ever know who did this. Everyone in town's a suspect. <laughs> well, I couldn't possibly solve this mystery. Can you? Yeah, I'll give it a shot. I mean, you know, it's my job, right? I don't know, man. Overall, I just think this episode is incredible. I think the this last scene is very funny. It's like, you know, you think... You think Dr. Hibbert's talking to you. He's actually talking to Chief Wiggum. It's like it ends on yeah. this really funny note, even though something really major has happened. And you, you know, before you even, before the episode's even over, you know that this is going to carry over into the next season, which is something you never see on the show ever again. Even those other two partners we talked about, they happened back to back within the same season. There was no wait. Um, so I think this whole idea of like, oh, Mr. Burns is shot. What if he's dead? Um, you know, it's hard for me to conjure up exactly how I felt as a kid, but I remember just being blown away by that and just really wanting to know who it was. And I also think it's cool to, to note that this was an episode that encouraged you to record it and watch it. You couldn't go buy the DVD. They didn't exist. Absolutely. There was no other way other than reruns to watch this episode again, unless you recorded it. So um, a very special moment in time where you, you know, I like to think that there had to be people sitting there with a pen and paper trying to note these little clues. Um, and I just, I think that along with everything else we talked about just makes it one of the best episodes of any fucking show ever. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also it should be noted that like recording an episode of TV wasn't easy back then. It wasn't like TiVo or anything where you just like, you could be in the middle of an episode and be like, Oh, you know, I should start recording and you just hit record. You had to. You had to completely disconnect your the cable from your TV, run it through the VCR, back into the TV, get the channels all right, put a tape in there, and hit record. It was it was a mess. Also, you had to have a a, a blank tape, which was always uh, a commodity in my house. I remember there was one tape 
that had been recorded over and over a thousand times. And the label, <laughs> every time you record, you put a sticker label on it and write on it with a Sharpie what's on there. And then there had been another one, another one. And it got so thick that it couldn't, the tape couldn't go back into the VCR anymore because there were so many labels stacked up on it. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, you essentially needed an engineering degree to record off TV back then. You I mean, really I, did. you know, a, a joke that friend of the podcast, Botter, uh, tells, uh, told on a recent episode is, and maybe this is an episode of his podcast. I don't think he told it on mine, but he was talking about a time where he didn't tape something correctly for his dad off TV, something oh, no. he really wanted to watch. And his dad called him and was like, oh man, I heard so-and-so was in this episode. Did you tape it? And they were like, oh, we're sorry. We messed up. Oh, so no. people, that, people that were born in the last 20 years really don't know that pain. Um, so it was a real, I mean, I used to record so many weird things off TV, Simpsons, basketball games. Oh yeah. You know, I, you know, it's just, and it was it was a, a whole production. You really had to like get that process down, or it and you was had really to babysit to it too. Up. You had to sit there and babysit it to make sure because the VCR could eat the tape, yep. and the tracking could get off. Oh, tracking! Don't even get me started. Oh Another thing that I think is really um, interesting to note about this episode and sort of the how times are different now is that when this episode ended, the point that we're at right now, you had to wait what eight months before the next episode, and like. You know, the this is starting to come back these days with, you know, stream for a while there, the last like five, seven years, they would drop a whole season all at once. Netflix did that all the time. And there was, you know, there was no waiting. You you got to scratch that itch, get to keep on watching. And I've noticed an interesting thing with that where like the I remember shows better if I watched them as they air and there's space in between the episodes. If I binge totally. watch a TV show, a week later you could ask me what happened and I'd be like, um, there was like a guy and he like, you know, I don't <laughs> I don't know, it's good. You should watch it is, you know. But if you ask me like what happened in The Simpsons or even more modern like Breaking Bad, I watched that as it aired. I I it's cuz you have time to think about the episode after it ends. You have time to really mull it over, the drama of it or the comedy of it and it's um I think there's a there's a thing to be said for waiting, maybe. I totally agree with you. In fact, that's a conversation I have a lot, uh, especially now that we're sort of seeing shows do this, even on Disney Plus and Hulu and things like that, where they air weekly again. Um, and I do agree. I think you need time in between an episode to discuss it with other people watching the show. I think that heightens your appreciation of the show. It helps you, you know, sort of dial it in. You can be like, Oh, did you watch last night's episode? It's crazy. I think this guy is going to do this. Yep. Whereas if I watch it all on a Saturday and a Sunday, I'm going to be like, wow, that show was great. And then that's it. I'm yep. never going to think about it again. Uh, something similar happened with Ozark, which is a show I really like. And because they dropped them all at once and because there's so much time in between them, the new season came out. And honestly, I'm having a hard time getting, invested in it again because so much recap. time has passed yeah it's just it's a hard thing i do i appreciate sort of letting something marinate yeah um it makes me appreciate it. it a lot more yeah. absolutely yeah that's one thing that's really really great about this episode as i remember just like it was kind of always in the back of my mind you know i'm a little kid roaming around you know going about my day and i'm like who did shoot mr burns and <laughs> when is when is that coming out because you know as a kid you don't really have um an awareness of TV schedules and stuff like that shows just kind of like when they come back on, you're like, Oh, it's back on, you know, and you don't, you know, we didn't get a TV guide. So I had no idea. It was just, I just waited for the commercial that told me next week who shot Mr. Burns part two. And I was like, yes, finally, you know, <laughs> I've been in stasis all this time. <laughs> <laughs> 
So good. It's so yeah. good. I mean, again, you know, it's it's an all time classic. Originally, you know, I wanted it to win the poll. I was I was kind of glad in the end that Itchy and Scratchy Land won the poll. Uh, but I also was like, you know, why not just do this one also? A lot of people wanted it. It was a very close race. And also, originally, we talked about doing it just all in one. Like, oh, we'll just do one long episode about both parts. And as Brandon and I both found out, as we were making notes and sort of researching and talking about things within this episode, if we did it, if we did everything in one episode, it would be like three hours long. I yeah, mean, it's we're, just, we're right now at the halfway point, basically. Yeah. So there's like, you know, we, we decided why not? I mean, this is just more content for all of you. You can space it out. This comes back to letting it marinate. Uh, yeah, you <laughs> marinate. Guys, you're going to have to wait till <laughs> next week to hear the second yeah, part. Yeah, <laughs> you have to wait till next week. And, you know, I, I think... I think overall it will be it'll be better on our end as far as our fact checking and notes and things like yep. that to to space it out. Um but Brandon, give me final thoughts on just part 1 before we sort of close out and uh just like what was it like to sort of dive in on this level and and do you feel like you love it even more now? Oh, absolutely. I, I feel like the same thing happened with the G and Scratchy, like the diving in and finding all this information out um really really like enriches the episode. You you kind of appreciate the artistry of it all um it's really i think comedy is something that often gets overlooked as sort of a high art uh i believe that it is but the reason is is you know it makes you laugh and you get that little endorphin run you just keep on going and it's easy to think of comedy as sort of a light fluffy thing that doesn't really mean anything but it's it is a high art it's it's commentary on existence and it's you know it's it's impossible to actually explain why something's funny and if something's <laughs> impossible to explain there's definitely i mean you know that's what leads people to science <laughs> it's it's right it's it's a, it's a high art and like the more i learned about this episode and also just the jokes and stuff there were so many little tiny jokes that i didn't realize that i say all the time one of them at the very end that i wanted to to throw out there i loved mr burns shot and he's staggering along and he runs into a bunch of people which is really great because like you know the whole episode they've been building up who did do it and in this last scene they're cutting away who didn't do it it wasn't marge because you see her and he walks up and jimbo is standing there and like he's <laughs> mr burns is covered in blood and holding himself and jimbo says hey man are you okay and mr burns says won't dignify that with an answer <laughs> and i say that all the time like as a joke somebody says something like i'm not going to dignify that with an answer <laughs> yeah and it comes from this you know it, it, it's it's amazing to see how much um the simpsons really is sort of the fabric of the way i communicate with people for better or worse <laughs> absolutely you know for anyone that if this is your first episode hearing brandon this is now his third appearance his second uh doing episodes with me about episodes of the show which is something we're going to be doing more often at least once a month i think i'm trying to figure yeah. out how often we're going to do these sort of deep dives i don't want to replace the interview format fully but i want to i want to branch out and do new things and uh, i think that attention to detail and and that you know, language of the show that Brandon's talking about. That's why he's, he's perfect for this. And I, oh, you know, you, I got a lot of nice messages about Brandon, Brandon and I, um, I think I was destined to meet Brandon. Uh, I was destined to track down his Reddit thread and find his name and have him on the podcast. And it just, it, you know, it blossomed into a, a friendship. And so I'm happy to have Brandon working on the show with me from time to time moving forward. I hope all of you are also really enjoying it. Absolutely. It's just fun talking with you about the Simpsons. It's great. Come on. What is there, What is more fun to talk about than The Simpsons? I don't think. <laughs> I don't not, think I'll tell you what's not fun to talk about. 
coconut and chocolate that's what's <laughs> not fun to talk about <laughs> oh man it sucks this is the last time brandon's on but anyway uh, <laughs> no so like i said we'll be back next week with uh, part two of this classic and i won't spoil it but there will be a special guest uh, for at least part of that episode i think all of you will be excited uh, to hear some perspective from them and that is all i will say it's nice for you to like leave them with a mystery it really is a part one part two it's great <laughs> didn't even think about that but i will take it we're going to leave a Good. little cliffhanger of our own here uh brandon anything else you want to point people to before we bounce no, man, I think I'm good. Yeah. Cool. We will see you next week. Aside from that, if you have any questions or comments, you can email me at simpsonsisgreat at gmail.com. If you like this podcast, consider leaving me a review on Apple or anywhere that accepts reviews. You can follow the official Instagram account at simpsonsisgreaterthan or on Twitter at simpsonsisgreat. If you're curious about me or my Simpsons collection, just search for Bart of Darkness on Instagram or Twitter and you will find me there. And we'll see you next week. Eternal darkness. Well, that's just great.